Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. We were talking about Joe Biden a couple of minutes ago, and uh, the, the difference, obviously, between he and Donald Trump is, is clearly obvious to, to most people. Uh, but there's a technique and, and a, a different attitude, I think, uh, towards uh, Biden and, uh, and a lot of the people that uh, and countries that, uh, that look to the United States for leadership and partnership in so many different things. And one of those, of course, uh, had to do with the vaccine program. And uh, interestingly, that uh, you know uh, the commitment here from the U.S. government is look at everybody in the United States who wants a vaccination is going to get one. Then we'll start talking about other countries. Uh, and Mexico and Canada apparently have put in requests. Uh, the press secretary, Jen Psaki, actually said that, uh, yeah, we're talking, but didn't make any commitment to it. Uh, but at least those discussions are ongoing. But I want to, I want to talk about the, the approach Biden is taking and the impact it's having uh, to try to, as he says, rebuild some of those relationships with uh, America's friends. Uh, welcome uh, back to the program, Elliot Tepper, to do this. Elliot, of course, is a professor emeritus of political science at Carleton University, focusing on uh, United States politics. Uh, Elliot, great to have you back in the program. Hope you're doing well these days. I am. Thanks, Bill. How, how are you? Excellent, excellent. Uh, you know, we're doing the one-year anniversary of working from home, but we're all in the same boat, I guess. But it's <laughs> yeah, it's become the it's become the new normal. The dogs that used to having to be around here now, so I think we're okay. Uh, I, I want to talk about the vaccine thing in a second, but more a more breaking story that I wanted to get your read on too. Uh, a lot of the flack that uh, that Biden is getting uh, from some circles, especially around Moscow, uh, for characterizing Vladimir Putin as a killer. Uh, which is a marked difference, of course, from the attitude that Donald Trump took uh, towards Mr. Putin. Uh, your thoughts on that? He hasn't said it lately. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's important. Uh, yes, he certainly has taken a, um, a different approach. Uh, some would say a more clear-eyed approach about the role of Russia and its engagement in the world and certainly its engagement in domestic U.S. politics. Uh, he has reason to be concerned because it's now coming out that well, uh, a lot of concern was raised whether the Russians would interfere in the last election. No, apparently they were just doing cyber hacking while we were <laughs> worrying about the election. Uh, they cyber hacked America in a very massive way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it now turns out, uh, no, they were also at the same time still interfering on behalf of Donald Trump. This is, this is from official circles in Washington. Uh, they were interfering, got right into Donald Trump's inner circle. They were also trying to create divisions within America uh, over the various uh, many issues that are there. They were just trying to undermine democracy. But uh, they've also, of course, been playing a role in the world that uh, leads people like uh, candidate candidate Joe Biden to call them killers. I think he was probably referring at that point to, uh, to the situation of the poisoning of the Shreepals, the, the use of, of Novichok to kill opponents or attempt to kill opponents around the world. Is he drawing a line here, though? I mean, I understand that wasn't recent, but I mean, it's it's come back now, and obviously, uh, Putin's already responded to it as as late as yesterday, crestoring uh, it back at the states and say, "Well, look at this country, you know, the Black Lives Matter and everything. These guys get your own act together before you start making criticisms." But yeah. but, but it's it's a marked difference. I mean, obviously, we know about the relationship, or at least we have a pretty good idea the relationship between Trump and Putin. But even previous to that, uh, with the Obama administration, and to a certain extent, the Bush administration they knew who they were dealing with uh but there was rarely confrontation about that i mean there was always trepidation but not necessarily confrontation uh, is biden taking a different tact we'll have to see how it continues to evolve remember that secretary of state hillary clinton in the obama biden administration brought out a great big red button that said reset 
wanting to reset relations between the U.S. and Russia. Russia exists as a power. Uh, there are many uh, areas where the U.S. not only needs to uh, work with them, but wants to work with the with an adversary, including Russia. But there's uh, there's clearly going to be, I think, a tougher stance taken and a more consistent policy regarding how to deal with Russia coming out of the Biden administration than the totally inexplicable relationship between Donald Trump and, and Putin. You and I have talked about that over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that Donald Trump, you know, did they have something on him? Well, yes, they did, but that, you know, oh, not really. And there were commercial interests there. He really wanted to have a Trump Tower. You know, Trump was going to build a tower and he was going to give Putin the top floor, et cetera, et cetera. Those kinds of concerns are gone. How to deal with a, a resurgent Russia that is willing to use force in Syria, willing to, willing to really put itself out, even though they have a weak hand to play. Russia is not a strong power in objective measures, but they use their power very skillfully under Putin. Uh, we have the Navalny situation now, which Americans and around the world, but Americans care about the fact that Navalny, the opposition leader, has you know been poisoned and almost died from that. So I think the possibility does exist that the Biden administration may not call this time out loud Putin a killer. They will see him with in a very clear-eyed fashion, and I suspect you will see some countermeasures against uh, cyber hacking pushing back. But remember, you also need them for things like signing on to the New START agreement, which the two of them mm-hmm. did, for nuclear containment and missile, uh, looking after the missiles and so forth. So there are areas where there will be cooperation, but there's also, I think, going to be a much more consistent line about pushing back against egregious behavior. What are you hearing about what's happening in Russia, Elliot? Because uh, we're hearing stories once again uh, that, that, that Putin is, well, not the beloved leader that that he would have us believe uh things are not going well that we're told with the russian economy the, the sanctions that, that are in place there i guess are are really racking havoc with a lot of people uh and and there's some concern not not necessarily that he's going to get booted out of office but it, when leaders find themselves in precarious positions like that they tend to go outwards and say all right i have to show you how strong i am i.e syria and some other places like that is is he is he trying to do that in other words deflect the attention away from what is happening at home uh for the russian people to show how strong he is as a leader? He has actually faced serious opposition at home now through the nationwide. Remember, that's a very big country, bigger than Canada uh, by far. Uh, All across the country, there were protests in the streets that went on and on and on about Putin, directly against Putin, led by Navalny, over the issue of corruption, over the issue of this is a government which is only operating as an oligarchy. So the those were, I think, worrying, uh, definitely worrying to Putin because he has seen these kinds of uh, revolutions from the street take effect in other places. We're, we're at the 10th anniversary of the Arab Spring where that kind of movement really toppled dictators. So I do think he's concerned, but I don't think he's worried. He has so much control over every aspect of Russian life now that with Navalny in jail, and all these protests temporarily suspended, I think we shouldn't worry about him becoming more erratic. We should worry about him proceeding as he has been doing, systematically trying to reassert Russia as a revanchist power, the return of Russia to greatness, and using uh, various 
inimical <laughs> techniques to do so. But the, the dynamic has changed in Russia. I mean, you know, as we were watching, you know, the, the behind the Iron Curtain back in the 60s, uh, you know, we, we knew we didn't know anything about the political situation. We knew there was a Politburo there and uh, and there would be a change in government just announced one day. Uh, you know, Khrushchev is out and Brezhnev is in and stuff like that. Yes. The Politburo has decided. The oligarchs are running the country now, though, aren't they? And, and, and Putin really serves at, at their pleasure, doesn't he? Well, it's it's a symbiotic relationship. The pressure being put on Putin is the targeted sanctions under the under the Magnitsky Act, yeah. which are specifically designed to squeeze the people around Putin in order to squeeze Putin. He sees that. We all know the name of the game. However, uh, Putin has demonstrated in a very dramatic fashion what happens to oligarchs who also defect. An oligarch who defects will end up, uh, you know naked in jail, dying on the floor in the middle of the night. It is very, very risky to defect from the circle of the, of the kind of power that now exists, the symbiotic relationship between those in power, those who are making money, those who have access to all kinds of resources because of the, of the Putin um, control over the economy, you know, basically over the country. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. You talked about, obviously, the, the United States is going to have to deal with Russia uh, when it comes to treaties and things of this nature. Uh, do you put a carrot out there, too, or is it just the stick? You've got to guys, guys have to come to the table here. I mean, I mean, Trump wanted to go to the extreme and have them back as part of the G8 uh, and, the, and subsequently the G20, of course. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But do you hold out an olive branch and offer them something in return to try to bridge that gap, or do you just figure, you know, never the twain shall meet? No, I think you'll find a very sophisticated foreign policy apparatus under Joe Biden and uh, Tony Blinken and, and Kerry. You, you will find a very sophisticated use of American foreign power that will include how to deal with Russia, how to deal with China. And that's, of course, a bigger question at the minute. How do you deal with China? Because the Trump policy had this going for it, but that against it. It's a very complicated situation when you have a, a Xi Jinping to deal with. The sophistication of the foreign policy apparatus that's being developed by the Biden administration is very impressive. That will include Russia. But also keep in mind that Russia is playing a weak hand very well. America has, is also weakened. It has a domestic internal situation which is a severe constraint on how the Biden administration can move going forward. They have to deal with the COVID crisis. They have to deal with a Republican Party that is just obstructionist uh, in, in every possible way. The domestic internal situation of America will so preoccupy the Biden administration that its very sophisticated and effective foreign policy capacities are likely to be constrained. It's going to be interesting to see just how that rolls out. Uh, by the way, I'm glad you mentioned John Kerry. I wanted to ask you about him anyway. I mean, his, his official role in the Biden administration, of course, uh, is the, the environmental guru, and, yeah. and he's well-suited for that. Uh, but with his foreign experience, uh, and especially as Secretary of State, you've got to figure that he's at the table there, too. Yes. I've been saying, really, there's five secretaries of state in America, starting with Joe Biden himself and John Kerry, who was Secretary of State, but he's also foreign 
you know, he he was he he was the party's uh, champion. He he led the party uh, to defeat. But you also, after that, have Samantha Power and. Uh, oh yes, uh, there's also uh, Tony Blinken. He he is foreign secretary. He is secretary. Yeah, the current one. Yeah, you know uh, they are rife with talent and capacity and ability there. Uh, Susan Rice as well would be the fifth one, mm-hmm. but they they are going to be hampered by the fact that the Trump administration hollowed out the capacity of America abroad by hollowing out the de- the, the State Department. A lot of people left. There was there was neglect. Uh, an extraordinary amount of um, of the people who were appointed ambassadors. Usually, it's a third. It was forty-four percent of basically people who bought ambassadorships. You reward your, your your donors that way. So the American foreign policy apparatus was so weakened under Trump, and of course Trump's own behavior. Uh, who you know, I I, I like. Putin, Xi Jinping, and, and Kim Jong Un, and I don't like anybody else. NATO has to be brought back uh, into the into the picture in a much, much enhanced way. The Biden team is working all that. The Paris, you mentioned Kerry, you know, he's in charge of climate. There's going to be major pushes on the climate under John Kerry, starting with going back into the into the Paris Accords. But COP two is coming. And there, there, there's another big climate conference coming. John Kerry is going to be a player. And also the progressive caucus inside the Democratic Party is pressing very hard to now saying, okay, you're delivering with COVID and that wonderful bill, which we do support, the $1.9 trillion, uh, almost $2 trillion. We like that. But what are you going to do tomorrow on climate? That's one of their part of their agenda. The Democratic Party is, and Biden, is very um, um, open to the to the goals of the progressive caucus i think the to a surprising degree this is this is a much more transformative rather than transitional presidency under joe biden in the area of climate appointing Kerry as as a uh, key player you know having a czar for climate is already something but once again they're going to be very constrained in what they can actually accomplish uh, i got about a minute and a half left here. You mentioned NATO a couple of minutes ago, and obviously there was an acrimonious relationship between Trump and, and the other NATO members. How difficult are, is it going to be to build those bridges, or are they simply going to welcome them back with open arms? Oh, I think more than – there's probably weeping with joy behind the scenes <laughs> at the, and the change. Uh, Joe Biden believes in NATO, believes in multilateralism. Joe Biden will uh, do everything he can to see to it. And by the way uh, – Canada has taken part in every single major NATO operation that NATO's ever had. We are major players ourselves within NATO, and we depend on that as part of our multilateral strategic and defensive uh, interest around the world. We are partners in all that. No, the the return of America to sit at the head of the table, which includes reinvigorating NATO and traditional alliances. Uh, the I was impressed by the fact that Austin and Blinken are in, are in Asia right now, personally, not by Zoom. They've gone to Asia to refurbish the alliance and to talk about what to do about China. Uh, they're in, in Japan and South Korea. Uh, they're having a lot of meetings. So, uh, And now there's going to be a meeting, by the way, in Anchorage of the Biden top team and some Chinese uh, top diplomats. And I, that'll be something out of sight to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. No, this is a team that wants to move vigorously to reassert America's role in the world. But that role was severely damaged by Donald Trump's behavior, pulling out. We don't want to lead 
end by the lack of capacity either to regain the trust quickly that uh, was squandered, but also just lack of resources because of what has to be done at home in America. Blinken's over there right now talking with Asian leaders. Uh, yes. Very quickly, uh, the two Michaels go to trial, one tomorrow, one on Monday. Uh, is it too late for the Americans to, to intercede here? The Americans, of course, have have it within their power to do uh, to end this. Uh, they can simply say, you're holding her because we want her extradited. And uh, they say, we don't want her extradited anymore. And that ends the case. No, I think the, the since we have limited time, the only way to end this, and you and I have talked about this over, over the years, you know, they can withdraw the extradition, she can mm. win in court here, uh, or some kind of deal can be made. But ultimately, this is an, a bilateral uh, matter between the U.S. and China. China has said, this is something we really, really, really want. We want Meng Wanzhou back. That's a bargaining card, and I'm afraid our people are caught up in that, even though Biden has said human beings are not bargaining chips. America has to cut a deal as the only certain way to bring the two Michaels home because any other option might leave them in jail no matter what happens in the courts. Yeah, we already know the verdict's going to be in those trials if they go that far. Oh, uh, they never enough time. in the trials. Exactly. Never enough time to cover all the stuff we want to in our conversations. To, always uh, grateful for your time. Thanks so much for this today. Yes, Bill, call any time. You betcha. <laughs> the world keeps turning. You bet it does. Thanks again. Elliot Tepper, of course, uh, Professor Emeritus at Carleton University. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.